You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 231. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Welcome back, everyone. This is Kim Eagle with the Earn That Body podcast. Thank you so much for showing up week after week to get more information about fitness, health, and nutrition. Now, where are we at today? It's June. I cannot even believe it's already almost summertime. Graduations are happening, summer trips are happening, so many people are vaccinated and starting to go out to eat and going on vacations. And gosh, it's almost like we can see a little glimmer of light again at the end of this pandemic tunnel. Well, I hope that you're doing well. I hope you're healthy, you're fit, and that you've gotten your vaccination so that you can enjoy summer ahead. We will keep the podcasts rolling all summer long because it is my goal to just keep educating everyone again about health, fitness, and nutrition. Now, today we're going to be talking about bone density. It's a topic that recently came up in my private Facebook group. Just so you know, if you've ever done any Earn That Body program, any of them, even if it's just a challenge, then you can be in our private Facebook community. And just shoot me an email, Kim at EarnThatBody.com, and I'll make sure to get you on the page. It's a great page with like-minded people, and we have all kinds of weekly engagement, and people post questions, and it's a place for me to really get to know everyone. So in that page, or on that page, I should say, there was some um, there were some questions about bone density, bone density, osteoporosis, osteopenia, and it really made me realize that we needed to do a podcast on that very topic. So that's what we are going to talk about today. After this, and now it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. With summer upon us, I would like to give you some tips. And the number one tip I'm gonna give you for summer for our Eagle's Eye on Health today is hydration. Now we talk about hydration a lot and I've done entire podcasts even on hydration. So definitely check those out before the summer season hits. But it is so important as the heat starts to come about in summer and it's more for some of us than others, you're gonna be sweating more, especially if you work out outside, you really have to take care and honor your body. And you can do that by making sure that you are properly hydrated. Now, I don't go by the whole, oh, make sure you're getting eight glasses a day. That really has become so irrelevant as they've realized that not everybody should be drinking eight glasses of water a day. Everybody's a different height, a different weight, a different activity level. So, you know, that's not really the best way to go. I always say you will know if you're hydrated by looking in the toilet after you've gone <laughs> Basically, you want to look at your urine and you want to know, is it light yellow, which is what the goal is, light yellow, that means you're hydrated. Is it dark yellow, that means you are not hydrated, or is it clear? And I'm going to tell you right now, you can actually be 
too hydrated. And I would say clear means you're maybe a little too hydrated. So you don't have to be the person guzzling gallons and gallons and gallons of water a day. You just want to make sure that you're hydrated enough that your urine is light yellow. So I generally say you should have water when you get up in the morning. It's ideal to have it before you even have that morning coffee if it's possible for you. You should drink water before a workout, during a workout, and after a workout. You should have water with your meals as well. Now you might notice that I keep saying water. Well, water is going to be the best way for you to hydrate. I would avoid all of those energy drinks and sport drinks and all those drinks that are just loaded in high calories, a lot of sugar, or potentially dye and artificial sweeteners. None of those things you need. Now, speaking of hydration while working out in summer, if your workout is one hour or less, they generally say you do not need any type of fueling, which means you don't need a sports drink. You don't need to have extra electrolytes unless you're a heavy sweater or it was an intense one hour workout outside. And again, sweat was at a high rate. Really one hour or less, water is going to do it for you. Anything after an hour, then you might want to think about some kind of electrolyte drink. Electrolyte drink doesn't have to mean super high sugar. It's just that you need to get a little sodium back in your system to make up for the salt and sweat that you're losing, all right? So think water, water, water throughout the summer. Really stay hydrated because a lot of the time, if you feel hungry, you're actually, it's possible that you could just be dehydrated and that tends to happen the most in summertime. So stay on top of hydration this summer. I will give you more tips all summer long in the podcast, but today that's your Eagle Eye on Health tip for summer number one. All right, let's get to the topic at hand. Today we are talking about bone density. Now, Some people have been diagnosed with something called osteopenia, and that is when your bones are weaker than they used to be, but they are not quite at the level of osteoporosis. That is a condition when the bones are so thin that they break easily. And if your bones keep getting thinner over time, like in osteopenia that could happen, that is what could happen. It turns into osteoporosis. Now osteoporosis, it actually means porous bone, and it is a disease that thins the framework inside your bones so much that even a minor fall, or sometimes it's just a bump against a car door, or like when you bump into a piece of furniture, it could actually cause a fracture when you have osteoporosis. And a break can happen at any spot in your skeleton, but generally those kind of fractures happen the most in the wrists, in your hips, or even in your spine. And just so you know, a lot of my research today has come from Hopkins, John Hopkins Medicine and also WebMD. Now, they say that keeping your bones strong is a super smart goal and that is at any age but a fracture-proof frame becomes a much bigger priority as we get older and after 50 years old because that's when our bones tend to weaken and it can lead to breaks. They say one in two women it could happen to and one in five men. 
Now, fortunately, there are many steps that you can take at home and with your doctor's help to protect against these painful fractures that can really reduce your independence in many respects as you age. Um, so we really want to stay on top of things like this in case you are diagnosed with osteopenia or osteoporosis. Now, what causes these things? Normally, we can't feel what's happening in our bones, right? That's something that it's happening, but it's not like you're gonna feel pain by any means. Yet throughout our life, there are a team of specialized cells that are constantly updating the microscopic framework of collagen. And just so you know, collagen is just a type of protein and also minerals, including calcium, and that's what keeps the bones strong. Now, it's kind of like this never-ending reconstruction project going on in your bones. The old bone is getting broken down and it's being replaced daily with new bone. I mean, if you think about that, that's pretty amazing that all of this is happening inside your body daily. And it's not even like you have to know about it, think about it, or tell your body, okay, go ahead and replace my new bone today. <laughs> I'm always so fascinated with how the body takes care of itself if you take care of your body. Now, until about age 25, this constant re, uh, replacing of daily bone, this happens less and less after age of 50. So let's say that again, until about the age of 25, this project of adding more new bone than it takes away, so bone density increases, is really just about till that age. But from about 25 to age 50, that's when the bone density tends to stabilize and you're gonna get more equal amounts of bone formation and bone breakdown. But then after 50, unfortunately, the bone breakdown starts to outpace bone formation and bone loss often is accelerated at that point and it's usually for women at the time of menopause. Now the risk for osteoporosis and osteopenia, low bone density, as I said, that's not yet at the osteoporosis range, it's sort of like that precondition. It's higher in women because female bones typically are smaller and they're also less dense than bones in men. Now the risk increases at menopause when levels of bone bolstering estrogen fall. So that's the thing and reason why we tend to see it in women at menopause because that's when the estrogen is going down. That hormone in our body, it's normal though, ladies. This is a normal part of aging for that to happen. But it can also put that extra sort of pressure on our bones, meaning that it's not going to benefit us keeping and making more of that new bone cell formation each day as the estrogen falls. But men also, they are at risk for osteoporosis. It's just not as common as it seems to be for women. Now a family history of osteoporosis related fractures boosts the odds in both sexes. So if you do have a family history of osteoporosis, again, whether you're a woman or a man, that is something that you would want to tell your doctor because there are potential things that you could be doing when you're younger to help yourself for when you get older. 
Now there's also certain medical conditions that can threaten bone strength directly or even via the effects of medicines and other treatments. These would include things like an overactive thyroid or parathyroid glands, chronic lung disease, cancer, endometriosis, even a vitamin D deficiency, and some medications like prednisone. Other risk factors include these conditions, low intakes of calcium, low intakes of vitamin D, potassium, or protein, Inactivity is definitely a risk factor for osteoporosis. So is cigarette smoking, overuse of alcohol, long-term use of medications like prednisone for asthma and arthritis, and some anti-seizure drugs and overuse of aluminum-containing antacids. Also, eating disorders that reduce your body weight to a very, very low weight. I mean, if you think about people who have eating disorders that are so emaciated, those bones tend to be very frail. And then there's the low levels of estrogen for women or testosterone for men. Now, prevention, what can we do about it? Well, I have to say, it's never too early to start thinking about how you can maintain bone mineral density. There are steps that can help prevent osteoporosis. One thing they say is you gotta hit your calcium quota. There is no doubt that getting enough calcium reduces fracture risk. And there has been controversy recently about possible links between calcium supplements and vascular calcification, but this was seen apparently in just one study and has not been seen in many other studies of calcium and vitamin D. Now, everyone should meet but not exceed, and that's really important that you understand. You should meet but not exceed the recommendation intakes, and I'll tell you what they are for calcium. Food sources of calcium also have good other nutrients for bone like protein and magnesium and can provide calcium needs. So I always say let's go with as much high calcium foods that you can get before you rely on all of these supplements, all right? And just so you know, I have done a podcast before on calcium, and if you haven't listened to it and you have concerns about osteoporosis and should you be taking calcium, definitely go back and check out episode number 13. It was called Calcium, Do We Really Need More? So that's a really important episode where we talked about how much you need and should you get it from food, should you get it from supplements. So I definitely recommend go back to number 13 and check that out if you have not already. Now, in terms of calcium levels that you should be shooting for, they say 1,000 milligrams daily for women age 50 and younger, and men would be, uh, and that's the same amount for men 70 and younger, but 1,200 milligrams daily for women that are over the age of 50 and men that are over 70. So it's either 1,000 or 1,200 milligrams daily that you should be shooting for. They do say the one exception is people on dialysis due to kidney failure should talk with their doctor about the right calcium intake for sure. I always say don't take any supplement at all. Uh, If you don't have to, you should talk to your doctor first. Always make sure 
that nothing would counteract or interfere with any current medication. So don't just assume that a supplement won't hurt you. I've done a whole podcast on supplements as well. So always make sure, especially if you're taking medications, that you talk to your doctor about adding anything like a calcium supplement. Now, You can take in calcium from food as well, and there's certain calcium-rich foods that I definitely think you probably want to start including in your diet. Things like low-fat or even the fat-free milk or yogurt. Greens like kale have a lot of calcium in it. Kale has 100 milligrams in one cooked cup. Uh, Tofu that uses calcium for firmness also has 253 milligrams per half cup. Beans have great calcium as well. Calcium fortified foods, like a lot of breakfast cereals and orange juice are fortified with calcium and can really help you get those calcium levels up. Now, calcium on food labels is generally given as a percentage of 1,000 milligrams. So just so you know, if it says 45% calcium, a serving of that basically provides 450 milligrams of calcium. Now, not just adding calcium is important for osteoporosis, but also adding vitamin D. Getting enough vitamin D helps with calcium absorption and incorporation into your bones. And the current recommendation is 600 IU of vitamin D per day through age 70 and 800 IU per day after the age of 70. And some individuals may need more to achieve good blood vitamin D levels. It's difficult getting all of that from food every day. So it's possible that you could need a vitamin D supplement to reach these goals. But that, again, would be something that you would want to talk with your doctor about. So don't just start adding calcium and vitamin D supplements. Trust me, you do want some guidance. And just so you know, I did do a podcast on vitamin D as well. So before you jump into getting that supplement, check out episode number 182. That is important, trust me. Now, not just calcium, not just vitamin D are important for your bone density, but you also want to fit in potassium and protein. Now, in 2013, research was done and colleagues at John Hopkins found that potassium improved calcium metabolism. Adults need 4,700 milligrams per day, but most fall short of that amount. And you'll find this mineral in fruits and vegetables, especially in bananas and potatoes with the skin. I always say, always eat the skin, guys. Even those sweet potatoes, I always eat all the skin. Like some of the best fiber is in the skin from these things. Um, Also, it's in prunes. It's in orange juice, tomato juice, raisins, acorn, squash, lima beans, and spinach. Now you also wanna get enough protein. Bone is interlocked protein strands with minerals and calcium attached. So that means protein is so important for strong bones. In some studies, protein has helped with bone healing as well. Now I just wanna say really quickly, we're saying that you wanna add protein, you wanna add calcium. These are two things that vegetarians and vegans tend to lack in their diet. And that becomes very concerning as they age for this reason. Of course, there's many things they 
they have to be careful of. When you're a vegetarian and a vegan, you are just generally very low on protein and very low on calcium. Now, a vegetarian is potentially not going to be low on calcium. It just depends if they eat dairy or not. But a vegan doesn't eat dairy. So they're missing out on so much calcium from dairy, from the milk, from the Greek yogurt, things like that. And generally they're missing a ton of protein as well. As much as they think they're getting in a lot of protein with certain beans, it's not as high as they think. The vegans that I work with are in shock generally when we go ahead and input their food and they see how much protein they are actually getting in their day. The reason I bring this up is because I try to explain to them, and if you're a vegan or vegetarian, right now I'm talking to you, it's not just a thing to be healthy and to go vegan and vegetarian, and certainly don't go vegan and vegetarian to lose weight because it actually can be much more difficult, but also if you're going to go vegan and vegetarian, please take it very seriously that you need to work with your doctor to make sure you're getting enough calcium, and protein so that you don't end up with osteoporosis as you get older. That would be something that you have to think ahead. And it's hard because you know, a lot of people who are younger, they become vegans or vegetarians. They can't think so far ahead as 50 and older when it's too late and they have very bad osteoporosis. I wanna encourage and educate you all to think about it now before you might even be 50 and to make sure that you're working with your doctor to make sure you're getting in all of these nutrients that are going to benefit your bones. Now moving on, another thing that can help you avoid osteoporosis would be weight bearing exercise and really doing it consistently. So they say everything from walking to dancing, aerobic class, weight training for sure, any activity that puts your bones to work because that's what's gonna stimulate that remodeling and that keeps the bones super strong. Now, you don't have to go to a gym to make these things happen. Um, you know, I tell you, I still am not going to go to a gym in this post-pandemic state. I still don't think it's necessary, but you can just go outside and walking is one of the best things that you can do as a weight-bearing exercise. Now, I recommend if you don't work out at all right now, then start with 15 to 20 minutes of walking a day and gradually increase that. And maybe by the end of a month or two months, you're up to walking an hour a day, which would be a great goal and would definitely benefit your bones. Now, what should you cut back on that might be making uh, it a little easier to get osteoporosis? Cut back on caffeine and alcohol. That's unfortunately the way it is. Drinking either of these in excess reduces the bone density. So if you have osteopenia or if you have osteoporosis and you drink coffee all day long, it's not helping your bones. So I recommend that you cut back. Same goes for alcohol. If you're drinking every single night, it might be making it a little harder for your bones to replicate those cells daily. The last thing would be if you smoke, you wanna quit. <laughs> you wanna quit smoking no matter what because there is, smoking is not benefiting anything in your body, I can tell you that right now. But tobacco use leads to significant bone loss in women 
and men. It also leads to longer healing times after a fracture and a higher risk for complications. So quitting can reduce the added risk of osteoporosis. Please find a way to quit smoking. I can tell you right now, it will just change your life if you do, right? Okay, so how are you diagnosed? How do you know if you have osteoporosis? Well, osteoporosis, as we said, the loss of bone density and the weakening of your skeleton is what they call a silent disease because you're not going to have symptoms until you potentially get a fracture. So one of the most important steps that you can take is to schedule a bone density scan when it's recommended. So for women, when you go to your OBGYN every year, you're gonna get to a certain age where they do recommend that you get a bone density scan. Now, bone density tests are recommended for all women age 65 and older, or for younger women that have a higher than normal risk for a fracture. And men may want to discuss osteoporosis screening with their doctor if they're over 70 years old or if they are at a high risk for thinning bones. So talk with your doctor about an earlier scan if you have any warning signs or risk, fra uh, risk factors like if you've had a bone fracture after the age of 50, if you have sudden back pain, if you have loss of height or increasingly stooped over posture, like you're rounding over more and more, if you use any medications that potentially thin bones, if a bone-threatening medical condition, like the ones just listed above, if you have those kind of things, you wanna to talk to the doctor, and if you have any family history of osteoporosis or family history of a lot of fractures, then those would be things you would wanna tell your doctor because you might not be at the age where they recommend it, but you are more at high risk. So that would be something that you want to think about. Uh, I was just at the OBGYN. I get my yearly exam every year. I hope you all get your yearly exam, ladies. And I specifically asked because I was doing this podcast and I realized, well, I'm 48 years old. I've never had a bone density scan. Like, when does this happen? And she, my doctor told me that generally they wait until you hit menopause to refer you to get the scan or if you're high risk, if you have any of the factors that I just described or have family history. So I'm not there yet in menopause. So they said, uh, you know, I'm not technically, I don't need to get the bone density scan. I don't have it in my history or have any of those factors, but something again for you to think about and always speak up. Never be afraid to question or ask your doctor, when are you supposed to get a certain exam or a certain test or when should you get your bone density done like you know your body better than they do maybe they don't know you've had some fractures maybe they've never asked you about your family history although they should but again we know doctors get busy so always take action when you go to the doctor if you feel like you're ready for that bone density scan you're you feel like you should have a baseline at a younger age then go ahead and ask them and see how you can get that ordered now 
What is the treatment? If you do have osteopenia or osteoporosis, your doctor will likely be recommending certain prevention steps to help slow down additional bone loss and reduce fracture risk. In addition, your doctor could recommend a medication if your bone density is like really, really showing, you know, high frailty of your bones, basically. They could, uh, doesn't mean everybody will. And the medication choice will depend on the extent of bone loss that you have and your tolerance for various medications and the goals that you and your doctor set together. That being said, again, be very verbal with what you want with your doctor. I always tell people, just because a doctor recommends that you be on medication, it's okay to question them. It's okay to ask them, are there other alternatives before you go to that? What would happen if you don't go on that medication? Could you try A, B, and C, get retested, and then determine if things are getting worse? Just be really strong and vocal, like it is totally okay. And they probably appreciate you taking part in your own health journey. Don't just assume that they're always gonna give you the best option for you, meaning they might be giving you an, an option, but it might not be the best option for you if that's not what you want. So just be okay with asking them. And I'm never saying go against your doctor's orders. You should always do what the doctor says but be okay with asking a lot of questions along the way. Now, how do you live with these things? You know, if you are diagnosed, a diagnosis of osteoporosis, I mean, for some people, they feel like it kind of changes their life, but honestly, it can be managed. It's, it's what I would consider a very manageable condition with healthy steps. You know, you do want to stay active. It's, it's very important as you get older. If you start getting really sedentary, that's only gonna increase your risks, right? You wanna stay active. You wanna keep the muscles strong so that the bones can stay strong. That is super important. They also talk about maintaining your balance. This is something that unfortunately, when you really age, um, it's important. Preventing falls, they say, by keeping your eyeglass prescription up to date. Sounds kind of silly, but you don't realize as you get older, if your eyes are not, up to date with the prescription in those glasses, you could have a fall and you wanna avoid any fall possible when you have osteoporosis because it's just a really huge chance that you would get a bone fracture. So really maintaining your balance and making sure that you know, you're know doing everything you can to avoid falls is super important. Um, and always let your doctor know if, you know, if you're feeling unstable or you're even feeling depressed because of your diagnosis, those would be things that you for sure want to discuss with your doctor. Always be honest and open. Now, John Hopkins experts are looking at osteoporosis in many ways, but with one aim. They wanna prevent this condition and improve life for people who have it. And here are some of their notable findings. They say that strong muscles reduce the risk for fragile bones. Did you hear that? Strong muscles. In a John Hopkins study of 84 people, researchers found that those with more muscle strength 
we're less likely to have low bone mineral density. And that may be because activities that build strong muscles also stress the bones. And when you do that, you're stimulating bone growth. So I always say to my ladies, especially as we hit the menopausal age, strength training becomes more important than the cardio training. Now they are both important. So I am not telling you to stop doing cardiovascular exercise, but I am telling you that two to three days a week should be strength training. What I like to do, not that I'm menopausal yet, but this is what I already do is two days of strength training and one day of yoga Yoga is like a form of strength training, but it's using body weight. So that helps me stay flexible and strain the muscles or strengthen the muscles, which puts the stress on the bones. Very, very important. Now, John Hopkins also says that bone checks reduce hip fracture risk. In a study of over 3,100 people, John Hopkins scientists found that those who were screened for osteoporosis were 36% less likely to have a hip fracture in the next six years. The reason? Screenings can uncover thinning bones in time for treatment. So it's always important, as I said, to make sure that you do get these bones checked. <laughs> Meaning, if you're at an age where you should be getting a bone density scan, get it now. If you're under that age, but you have a history in your family or you've had several broken uh, bones or you get a lot of stress fractures, get the test now. I always tell people, get every test you can now if you need to because that is information and information is our power. That is our power to make sure that we are diagnosed as early as possible and then we can treat it as early as possible and then we don't end up in our old age with a ton of problems from something that could have maybe been fixed many years ago. So really important, keep the muscle strength strong, keep strength training team, and make sure you get tested at the right age or if you have any family history or concerns because you've had several fractures. And there you have it. So a lot of people on the Facebook page that I have have osteopenia, it is common. That is before osteoporosis though. So those are the people who wanna make sure they're not drinking coffee all day long. They're not drinking a lot of alcohol. They're working on their strength training, um, lots of walking. That's such a great way to get some aerobic work in. It doesn't have to be running, although running is a great activity, they say, to prevent osteoporosis because you're getting that impact on the bones. So bike riding isn't actually an impact type of workout. So they don't recommend biking to help osteoporosis. It's more of the, uh, the impact type of workouts that are stressing the bones more that are important for osteoporosis. Doesn't mean you can't bike. <laughs> Just means you want to do the other stuff as well. And there you have it. That's everything today about bone density. Do me one favor. If you think that this is an important topic and you have a lot of friends that you think might need this information, please give it a share on social media. It always helps me to spread the word about this podcast. It is my only goal with the Earn That Body podcast to pay health forward. I don't make any money from doing it, but I love doing it because I feel like it is the gift that I get to give to the community. 
And the way that you can help me, because I don't do any advertisements on this podcast, isn't it wonderful to not have to forward through 30 minutes of ads and sponsor spots? Well, the way that you can thank me is honestly to share the podcast on social media, whether you do a post on Facebook or a post on your Instagram story, it really does help spread the word about the Earn That Body podcast. So that would be so appreciated. And honestly, other than that, I hope you just go rock the week, stay hydrated, and get ready for a great summer ahead. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.